Dormain T-Mobile. I think we've heard from T-Mobile before. They well, uh, have done a lot of good stuff uh, with Pivotal. So yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, no, I don't think we've had T-Mobile on the podcast, but we right. definitely had T-Mobile speak at CF Summit, and I've heard them speak at Spring One Platform, um, and it's a great story. Uh, so it's it's always exciting to hear, and, and I know that the team's really been kind of pushing the boundaries and the limits of a lot of stuff, and so I think a lot of folks stand to gain by just hearing what the T-Mobile team is up to, and we've also got... Uh, Ryan on from Altoros. And I think that's also another thing that's really valuable for folks is to understand how, you know, other folks in the community, consultants like Altoros are, are how they're helping. Cause I think some people might assume that sure, those are great for getting started, getting off the ground, but you know, here's a team like T-Mobile that's three years into the journey, four years into the journey. Um, and you know, there's still a lot of help that uh, folks at El Toros could do. So I, I can't wait to hear more about this. I'm I'm eager to learn. Yeah. So why don't we start uh, talking a little bit uh, to to T-Mobile? Matt and uh, Mohammed are online joining us, uh, and I think you know we're going to drill into uh, some of the things you've done around platform automation and some of the benefits there, uh, especially working with PKS. Maybe we could start uh, either Matt or Mohammed. Uh, just a quick intro, uh, introduce yourselves, and then uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about, like, set the foundation, uh, kind of your role, um, and and uh, how you guys uh, kind of got started with PKS. Uh, so my name is Mohammed Salman. Been with T-Mobile for last uh, five to six years. Uh, I joined uh, PKS PKS team uh, last year, and we started using Kubernetes on PKS. So I think there was a huge ask of automation around that time and uh, how we, got, we are going to manage um, uh, our pipelines and our uh, upgrades and our third-party software upgrades uh, uh, because we knew we are going to grow really fast. So uh, we started working on Concourse with Altoros. That's, that's when we brought in uh, Ryan from Altoros and started pair, pairing up with him to make sure uh, we don't run into any kind of issues going forward. Uh, so we, we started with uh, one foundation, we built it manually, and after that we started started um, uh, working on automation pipelines, uh, like platform automation, stuff like that. So uh, I think we uh, we started with, uh, uh, we are at uh, 10 to 12 upgrades now uh, on PKS level, and we did it all by uh, platform automation. And uh, there are some other Kubernetes uh, Kubernetes level pipelines that we worked on. I think we can talk about it too later on. That actually help us build the cluster within one hour, twenty-four node cluster, uh, approx approx one hour uh, with all third-party uh, software installs on top of PKS and uh, customer-ready cluster. I'll, I'll let Matt add, add some some of his thoughts to it. Yeah, my name is Matt Murphy. Uh, I've been with the PKS team for about a year and a half uh, here at T-Mobile. Um, <clears throat> like a lot of things that Solomon said, uh, one, of, one of the nice things that uh, Pivotal's brought forward for us is the platform automation. Uh, in the past, uh, we've had to kind of write or um, create our own pipelines and um, really start from ground zero, and Pivotal's brought forward the Pivotal automation uh, support, which has really helped us a lot in um, um, just building our foundation. And then once a foundation is built, we move on with the PKS cluster installs. 
Um, I believe we're at uh, 3.0 right now, right? We yeah. just went to um, platform automation version. We are at 3.01, and um, we just tested that with Ryan um, and updated one of our foundation with that. Other than that, uh, yeah, as it's working for us uh, really smooth. We did some, uh, we did uh, entire foundations. I believe there are 10 foundations. How many foundations are there? I think we're up to 12. 12 foundations within one night using uh, platform automation patching, uh, applying a security patch on all the all the foundation. So uh, it's working pretty pretty good for us. Um, uh, and uh, Ryan has helped us a lot uh, in that in that project. And and um, uh, we continue uh, work with him um, on all the pipelines and and uh, and making things better. Yeah, it brings a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of a lot of good things for us. Like uh, uh, even when you get down to SSL certificate management, and BBR backups, all of that's being provided with the uh, platform automation, which has uh, really helped us out tremendously. So, and then you know maybe just to help folks listening who may not be as familiar with. Um, PCF or, or PCAS specifically, you know, you mentioned up to 12 foundations for, for PKS, which is Pivotal's Kubernetes distribution. What does a foundation represent? Uh, that's, um, it's a lot like uh, in PCF Cloud Foundry. Um, uh, we, a foundation we call is like an ops manager installation. Um, mm-hmm. So once that is once that's done, you can build several Kubernetes clusters within that that Opsman installation. So um, that's we we just call that a a foundation here. But uh, okay, so that yeah. that's sort of the the Bosch layer underneath. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then on top of that, you're running you actually then build the the Kubernetes clusters themselves. And you mentioned that your platform automation is not just building out the foundation, but it's, it's building the clusters on top of it. Um, is, do I have that right? That, that is correct. So we have uh, seven hardware regions, if I recall correctly. Uh, and then we have 12 uh, PKS foundations on uh, underneath running on top of that. And then, and then we have a, uh, I don't remember the number exactly on Kubernetes cluster because we are every day building clusters every day. Uh, yeah. But we are over we are over approximately forty clusters running uh, running on the all the, those twelve PKS foundations. So uh, that's how that's how the infrastructure is laid out here at T-Mobile. And it's so, all on on prem on prem solution uh, Dell hardware running in our data centers. Okay, so you've got you've got about forty clusters running across. The various foundations, and you, you mentioned you're building clusters every day. So you're not building them and then letting them run for a while. Uh, like, how often are they getting rebuilt, and and what what's the reason behind rebuilding these clusters? Well, maybe every day was a stretch, but uh, we're, we're, um, we we do have sandbox environments where we'll, we'll tear them down and build them up, and 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 they're for our use. Um, as a matter of fact, we have one cluster that. Uh, is rebuilt once a week via uh, a pipeline uh, CI/CD stuff. So, um, to, so you, once we roll out a production cluster or a, um, a non-production environment for our developers, uh, that's pretty stable, and we we don't just go rebuilding those. So, okay. But however, we do use the pipelines to patch those and upgrade and various things. But when, once they're built and delivered to the customer, they're they're pretty stable. 
Uh, we have a sandbox cluster that actually rebuilds every every week just to make sure we are up to date everywhere, software-wise, and every, anything that uh, that we want to apply, we apply on that cluster first before going to the customer cluster. Uh, and that's our that's our patching standards and uh, applying any patches to our current Kubernetes cluster. That's that's the path we follow. So that's how the rebuilds of the cluster uh, works here. But once the customer are on the cluster, customer facing cluster doesn't get rebuilt or any. It's just we apply patches on that, and that's uh, that's actually pipelined and uh, and um, 100% uptime on on those most mm -hmm. of the time. Um, uh, there's no customer impact, and um, when we apply patches and, and uh, or up, or update the foundations um, on those on those clusters, most of the time. However, we we still are in a, uh, we are still ramping up. We are building clusters and and uh, new environments um, um, quite often. So we're we're not going to we're not stable here at twelve installs of Opsman and Bosch, you know, that, that's going to be increasing quite a bit. So. Okay. Great. Jeff, I think um, you had a question. Yeah, well, I just wanted to bring Ryan into the conversation. Uh, and, you know, we definitely want to get into some of the before and after. We'd love to hear, uh, you know, what, what, the, what the process was like before you implemented a lot of this platform automation. Uh, and and I, I suspect part of the reason uh, you're working with Ryan and Altoros was to was to help with that automation. Uh, but Ryan, uh, just bringing you into the conversation, could you just tell us a little bit about um, Altoros for those who don't uh, know the company uh, and and your I guess your perspective, you know, from a thirty thousand foot level on on platform automation. Yeah, of course, Jeff. Um, so Altoros has been going as a consultant company for the last uh, eighteen years. It was founded in two thousand and one. Um, we've got a headquarters out in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, but we also operate at a global scale. We have offices in the US, uh, Norway, Denmark, the UK, and based out in Ireland at the moment, and I work remotely with T-Mobile. Um, we have about uh, 350 staff now, um, of which we have about um, just over 30 uh, Cloud Foundry consultants, and we have a whole um, team dedicated to uh, PCF and Cloud Foundry. Um, so I, I've been working basically as a consultant with several different companies that are implementing Pivotal Cloud Foundry and Pivotal Kubernetes uh, services. Um, and I just get a, a, a large uh, view of uh, different, different ways that it can be deployed and some of the challenges that are in enterprises today. And just with that experience, I can take that from many different companies and I've, I've used it to apply to T-Mobile. Um, in terms of platform automation, um, it's really been an iterative process. Um, we originally started with PCF, and there was a, a, a suite of uh, templates or pipeline examples that uh, were called PCF pipelines uh, that we used to use. Um, we started implementing that automation just because when you're doing things manually, you can make a lot of uh, human error and mistakes. And when T-Mobile is growing so rapidly, um, it's easy for technical debt to spiral out of control. So we just want to keep things fast and uh, deploy things as quickly as possible. So um, there's been massive improvements and uh, PCF pipelines has been built upon to kind of create this uh, product plat platform automation. Um, and and it's, it's seen several improvements throughout the years and it's become stable and it was now like generally available as of May there. So we're running on 3.0, like uh, Salman mentioned. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's been a great experience so far. So it's, it's really helped reduce the amount of time to keep uh, code and the platform up to date, especially when there's such a fast release cycle from Pivotal with security patches on the operating system with stem cells um, coming out every other week. Um, it's really important that we keep the, the Kubernetes environment secure, up to date, and that we can rebuild it often if there's any issues or errors. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of that adage of, uh, you know, if it, if it hurts, do it more often. Uh, so, you know, things like uh, building out foundations or patching, which, as you mentioned, is happening all the time with the, the volume of, and velocity, I should say, of uh, stem cells and patches that Pivotal releases. So um, rather than make that something that is a painful one-off exercise that just has to be repeated, automate it. Uh, so, and it's interesting to hear that this has been kind of a journey. I, I remember when PCF pipelines, uh, in back in like 2017 or so was starting to get used by a lot of customers. So it's great to hear how it's evolved. Yeah, we've definitely seen the potential. And, um, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where cloud security is quite different these days. And it's definitely a big question for large enterprises such as T-Mobile. It's like, how, how do we ensure that the platform uh, and these foundations and these environments are secure. So we try to implement the, the three R's of security, which is rotate, uh, repave, and repair. Um, and th that, that is, that is um, uh, one of the main strategies with such a large distributed platform, such as PCF and Kubernetes. Um, the, the, the quicker that you can rebuild something, uh, the, the less likely it is that security breaches will actually cause a significant impact. And uh, I think Matt said yesterday a great thing was like, uh, we want to fail forward and fail fast. Um, Matt and, uh, and Mohammed, I love the way that you guys were talking about your customers. Uh, but it might be worth clarifying here. Your customers that you're talking about, you're talking about T-Mobile's internal developers, correct? Correct. Uh, but you've got a very sort of product orientation towards how you think of those developers. They're not just these other people who work at my company who keep asking me for stuff, right? Like they're your customers. So you're thinking a lot about, I can just tell from the language you're using, you're clearly thinking a lot about the experience that those developers have. What can you tell me about that experience now that um, T-Mobile has been kind of ramping up with providing Kubernetes environments to those developers, to those customers? Um, and, and rolling out PKS. What's the, the developer experience that, that you strive for and, and what have you kind of learned along the way? Uh, so uh, we, our customers are mostly internal um, uh, T-Mobile uh, developers. And um, uh, since we are a new platform, one year old, so we are making sure everybody is aware uh, what we are doing. And um, so we are hosting this uh, PKS 101 kind of PKS slash TKE 101 um, uh, classes uh, at T-Mobile, making sure customers are aware of it, how, how things work at, in T-Mobile world. We just had a, 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 a TKE 101 class in, uh, in Bellevue in our headquarters where uh, 40 developers showed up and then kind of uh, went over our environment um, and, and showed them how um, and helped them deploy a simple app on our uh, Kubernetes cluster, which are running on PKS. So uh, the experience has been uh, really good since uh, last one year, and uh, we have seen a lot of improvements, 100%. Uh, uh, some of the apps went 100% on uh, PKS environment. I think four of our apps are running 
taking 100% production traffic at this moment, and we are uh, we continue uh, continue to make a lot of POC work with our uh, app teams and making sure that they they have uh, whatever they need to be successful on this pl platform. Yeah, it's been a learning experience for both uh, the developers and us. Um, with, with PKS, um, we're able to um, patch you know in the middle of the day, provided that the developers have used 12-factor rules and um, have followed certain standards uh, for microservices or container-type orchestration platforms. So um, uh, it's definitely important to us that even when, you know, our non-prod environment, um, to us, everything's prod because if, if our non-prod environment goes down, that's where all the development is happening. Uh, so um, it's important to both us and the developers, and it's 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 been a learning experience, and we're 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 starting to get good at it. So it's pretty exciting. Some yeah. uh, some of the patches we have applied in the past um, on the PKS layer uh, with the 100% um, uh, production traffic running on them, and a uh, few times we we didn't hear anything from the customer because the patching went so smooth. Uh, we ran, we ran into some issues uh, later on, but we are uh, con we continue to make improvements on our environments and making infrastructure layer better. Uh, to uh, best fit for our customers. So you mentioned something that's that's kind of interesting, and um, I love the idea of the classes where you're you're kind of engaging with those developers and teaching them what they need to know so that they could be successful in the platform. And that sounds a lot like what I remember um, hearing from the T-Mobile team that they were doing a couple of years ago with PC. Yeah, back then just using what's now called the, the Pivotal Application Service. Um, and Matt, you mentioned that uh, folks are, are, are should be able to have you know, no, no downtime for their apps running in PKS, provided that they're following 12-factor. So what I wanted to ask, even before you mentioned that, but now I'm really curious, is really what's sort of different that you've seen, especially in terms of how you need to enable those developers to be successful, What's different between um, PKS and the the application service that that you've been offering to those developers for some time? I wouldn't say there's much difference. Um, it, uh, it's kind of the same the same concept. Um, but some some things that we're we're you know we, we're, there was a lot of lessons learned with PCF. We were on a long journey there, and uh, I think we've we've uh, done a good job of learning those lessons and applying them here in PKS. Land. Um, take for instance in our prod environment, we have two prod environments, and we encourage our our customers to um, spread them out across both environments. So if there is something critical uh, where they can't have pod disruption at all, um, uh, hopefully they have um, they can switch their A10 services or their level loading services to say the prod two environment, and then we can do whatever we need in the prod one environment. So things like that is some lessons learned we've used. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like there's much of a kind of shortcut or anything. It's not like by using PKS, it's somehow easier. Like I think there was sometimes a perception that trying to get my application to be ready to run in the application service is, oh, it's hard. It's too much work, right? Because you have to make it, you know, minimum of four factors. But it yeah, sounds like yeah. really best practices, even in PKS, you should be doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, PKS seems uh, pretty popular here because uh, 
the PCF world, um, there are some stricter rules for microservices. Um, okay. So yeah, it, is just, perceived, just, uh, it is perceived. Oh, sorry to cut you off. Oh, yeah, there, go ahead, right. No, go ahead. <laughs> just, just to add to what Matt's saying there is uh, the Pivotal Application Service, PCF, it can be a quite opinionated platform um, for web applications, and you have to follow 12-factor applications. I believe that Kubernetes gives you more control um, at a lower level, at the container level. There is like uh, large data workloads and anything that needs persistent stateful storage um, is a good fit for PKS. So it's really when the application and customers like developers, uh, which are our customers, come to us, uh, we try to go for an assessment with them to kind of see where their application is the best fit. A lot of the time for legacy systems, um, it's easier to just do a lift and shift instead of uh, rebuilding the application from scratch. Um, there's no real shortcuts. Uh, if you want your application to run on the cloud these days, you, you should really be following the 12 factors um, for creating applications. Um, but sometimes that's not possible and you need to get something um, migrated quicker. Um, so PKS uh, and Kubernetes people believe it's easier, but there's so much other things that you have to uh, integrate into your um, microservice container application system, such as like logging and monitoring. And the, there's a whole different range of things that go into it. So there's no real shortcuts. You should still be applying best practices. And a lot of them from uh, Pivotal, uh, Pivotal's uh, application service, we try to apply those and uh, teach customers about that, even if they're going to PKS. And I wonder, you, you Ryan, have seen, uh, you know, as a as a consultant, you work across a number of different companies. What, what has your experience been, uh, not just T-Mobile, but, but broader in terms of uh, your customers thinking about when to use PAS versus PKS, a more opinionated platform like the application service versus Kubernetes. Uh, you mentioned you have kind of a, a criteria you, you, you look to uh, when deciding which, which is the best fit for different applications. How has that played out in the real world uh, in, in the different customers you've worked with? Yeah, um, so that's a really good question, Jeff. Um, so basically, um, we, we do a, different, uh, a load of different uh, capabilities. One of them is, is uh, very popular, uh, is uh, the Pivotal Dojos the platform dojos um, and uh, so, some application transformation can go into that as well. Um, but but when, when a customer is having, we try to identify pain points. Um, it could be something from not being able to deploy or maybe there's some downtime or there's latency or errors um, on the VM level, or maybe they're just looking to cut costs and move from VMs to containers. Um, but I do see a lot of similar patterns across a lot of customers. Um, so we've kind of created some um, projects and uh, deliverables that are fairly common to, to a lot of people uh, and a lot of large enterprises. Uh, but I do see them the same questions being asked time and time again. Um, so it, it, there's, there's no real easy solution, um, but uh, we, we try to take those lessons learned from, from our companies and customers uh, and put it into like best practices and recommendations. Uh, and we often make a lot of blog posts about it. Um, but yeah, it, it's really it's really about teaching the developers um, how to do cloud native development and what those best practices are. Uh, and if that falls into place, then it's really really easy and simple to use. And they see much much faster deployments, um, much more reliability with the production workloads. And we actually have the developers owning the applications, so that if there is an issue, um, it's fixed much much faster. So if we come back to um, the platform automation kind of journey that the PKS team at T-Mobile has been on. 
you mentioned uh, Muhammad that uh, you the, built the first foundation manually and then started to introduce platform automation working with Ryan. How did that sort of, uh, how did it come to be that you started to work with Ryan and, and Altoros on that platform automation project for PKS? So uh, uh, Ryan has worked um, with us previously on a PCF side, so we knew that Ryan can provide us um, um, a lot of help there, and um, so that's why we kind of uh, brought in Ryan and and um, to use the expertise uh, over there, and then um, kind of build the testing environment and started using um, platform automation over there, making sure the upgrades would go smooth and um, with a minimum customer impact and. Um, and uh, kind of uh, kind of started uh, testing the whole the whole platform automation uh, layer over there, making sure ops manager upgrades are smooth, PKS style upgrades uh, uh, are smooth with uh, with minimum customer impact. Uh, so uh, kind of kind of making start making improvements over there, making sure uh, 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 making sure our customers are uh, uh, at at minimum impact when we do these upgrades, and uh, kind kind of start to expand. Uh, from there and and the upgrades in NP environment and then uh, then proud and uh, uh, right now we are 100 uh, percent automated on 99 percent automated on uh, on uh, PKS uh, PKS layer. Okay. Yeah, we, we 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 have a really we have a really good uh, relationship with Ryan and Alturas, um, uh, especially with uh, in the PAS world and um, using Concourse. And the nice thing about uh, Platform automation is it's the same tool used in PAS as well as PKS. So it was a real good fit to have Alturos and Ryan help us out to get the PKS stuff off the ground in the CI/CD world. Yeah, just to add to what Matt's saying there, um, just to put it into a bigger, high-level perspective, um, we have really small operations team. I've mostly been working with Matt and Salman. Um, and you're, you're talking about like a team of two or three operators or DevOps uh, engineers um, running all these foundations and thousands of containers and thousands of pods for, for hundreds of developers and like hundreds of applications. Um, and really, that's, that's why the, the automation is essential. Um, there's no way that you can manage something with such a small operations team. And I see this in so many customers is like the ops team can be really, really small. And if you have the correct automation in place, not just with uh, platform automation, um, but uh, expanding out into the infrastructure automation with Terraform as well. Um, it's, it's really, platform automation is very modular and it gives you the building blocks to kind of piece together what bits you want and then expand upon that. So we've expanded the platform automation to include building out the, 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 the Kubernetes clusters with the, the, the PKS CLI. And we've expanded that into building out the load balancers um, uh, that connect up to PKS and uh, configuring the ingress and configuring Splunk collectors and just configuring the monitoring. And we've hooked all that into the platform automation that Pivotal has provided with us. But uh, it's really... Um, building blocks that we can use and then expand upon. So the, the idea is to automate everything so that we can have this small team of two or three people running the entire platform and it basically runs itself. Okay. So what I'm hearing is, you know, these aren't just raw Kubernetes clusters that are getting spun up for those internal customers. They're, they're pretty well outfitted with a lot of 
um, you know, important infrastructure around it, like the load balancing and uh, Splunk logging aggregation. And um, so you're really building out a more uh, whole platform for those developers that is just built on Kubernetes. Uh, just, yeah, and that, you know, rings familiar with folks like Kelsey Hightower out there tweeting. It's like, hey, Kubernetes is a platform for building platforms. It's not really the developer experience itself. Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much more to it. Um, and we, we've just kind of expanded it and expanded it. And everything that we need, so it's at a click of a button, we run the pipeline and it builds out a full cluster that's ready for the developers to go on instantly. Um, and if we rebuild it, we have everything there. Um, again, from the logging to the dashboards to um, the cluster role bindings to the persistent storage task attached. Uh, and then we also run like Sunaboy, which is like a conformance tool um, to make sure that uh, the best practices and standards are, are met with the Kubernetes cluster and that it's configured correctly. Um, so we, we try to package everything and we do make it a platform so that um, it, it's kind of similar to the Pivotal application service that everything that that's provided, we also provide in Kubernetes um, all in one. Yeah, uh, as soon as okay. we run the pipeline on, on a Kubernetes cluster, we make sure that uh, the cluster is customer ready for them to deploy their workload on it and, and making sure um, uh, that we don't have any manual work after that. Uh, that's the whole point of uh, Kubernetes cluster pipeline was uh, delivering a customer-ready cluster with all third-party components on, on top of PKS layer. And what, by, by working with Ryan, um, so thank you, by the way, for kind of explaining the background and, and the, the, the good experience and relationship that you have with Ryan and Altoros that made it kind of a natural fit for building out the, the Kubernetes space platform. Um, but Mohammed and Matt, I'm curious, what did having Ryan uh, helping with this platform automation build out, what did that free you guys up to go do? Uh, well, it, it, it did definitely help us uh, because we're, we're also involved, uh, uh, Salman and I, in Kubernetes support as well. And uh, certainly before Ryan came, uh, we were really buried in the concourse stuff, trying to home cook this ourselves. Um, and just, you know, kind of going through public Git repos and looking for things and just really trying to get a grasp on concourse and had no time for um, actual Kubernetes support. So it's really freed us up to be able to do um, things like that. We're now, now we're able to take on different tasks and, you know, more R&D stuff or gangway or um, any new stuff coming up in a Kubernetes down the line. So it, uh, it truly... Uh, uh, one, once the hard work is over, it, it does kind of run itself until, you know, an upgrade or something like that. Or um, it's, it's just made rolling out a new environment so much easier. Uh, and, you know, we've been, me and Matt and someone, we've been parried like pretty much every day for the past six months, which is how long this engagement's been running. And we picked up even small things, hopefully they've learned, um, anything from RESTful APIs to bash scripting, just doing the whole pair programming really is good for knowledge transfer and skills transfer. So hopefully that they, if, if, if they need to add even more automation in the future, they can build it themselves. Uh, would you agree with that, Matt? Definitely, definitely. It wasn't uh, like you came in here and did all the work for us. It's uh, uh, definitely a lot of knowledge transfer, taught us how to fish, I guess. 
the old analogy yeah. that's always used. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, it never gets old. No, it, it, <laughs> so many different scenarios. But I, but it's a good yeah. it's a good point, and I wonder maybe if you could expand a little bit on. And this is, I guess, kind of tangential to the main topic. But you know, what what is the relationship? Expand a little bit on the relationship uh, working with uh, a service provider like Alturos. How do you how, how do you build that trust? You know, what uh, how does it actually work on the ground? How how do you develop that, that working relationship when you're coming from, you know, somebody coming from the outside? Uh, how do you make the most of that engagement? Well, again, for us, uh, we, we had already had Ryan for uh, PAS support, but I, I guess what it started with is uh, just, um, it, you know, uh, Salman and I told our management, hey, look, you know, we're kind of swimming here. We need some help. Um, we need someone like Ryan and Alturos to come in and kind of show us the ropes. And bringing Ryan in and uh, having a meeting and kind of setting the bar, and this is what we expect. Uh, we, we had weekly meetings on uh, how we're doing, take things off the list that are done and adding things. And um, so the trust was built uh, quite early in the process. So it's, uh, I don't know, do you have anything more to put? I mean, the, we were doing a lot of stuff, a uh, lot of stuff manually uh, uh, before Ryan came in, and we were installing um, a lot of components on Kubernetes cluster. Uh, uh, kind of manually, and and uh, we had some pipelines separated out pipelines that would do work, but we kind of needed something that uh, ties everything together, and and kind of needed somebody who knows um, who knows how these pipelines and architecture work on the from the from the from the ground level. So that's when that's when uh, Ryan uh, comes into play, and kind of uh, coming back to the uh, PCF layer, Ryan already worked with PCF team, uh, I think last last year, a couple of years ago. So we kind of had that trust already. So as soon as we uh, we started talking about this, uh, Ryan was the first person who who came to our mind and, and kind of um, started um, talking to Altoros how to bring him in again and uh, work with us on the PKS, uh, PKS side. So uh, yeah, I mean, we, I mean we, we achieved a lot and uh, on platform layer, um, third party installation, uh, building Kubernetes cluster, customer ready. Um, that's That's how it went. Yeah, and uh, just just to add to what Salman and Matt said there, what I see from customers is uh, there, there is a lot of stuff done manually. Like large enterprises are under so much time pressure to get production workloads in on the really strict deadlines, and what ends up happening happening is uh, all of this stuff is done manually to kind of do proof of concept and kind of prove the value. And value is really important. But once you've got that initial value, you then have to go back and say, can we automate this? Um, because uh, from now on, I like if you're if we're doing anything new, like as the projects went on, the scope's gotten bigger and bigger, and uh, new things have been added. So rather than building something else, we we initially try to build it out automatically first time, um, rather than building it out and revisiting it um, later, because it never really gets done and it gets pushed back and pushed back, and higher priorities come. So what I try to get Matt and Salmon to do is anytime we've got a new thing to build out, it has to be done automatically out of the box. And we try to automate it first thing. Um, and that, that it, it takes longer to automate something, but it, the benefits long-term pay off um, because you're not having to repeat tedious processes over and over again, um, which if you're a Linux system admin, uh, you, probably that's the worst thing you can be doing in a job. <laughs> mm. Right. So you got to put in that investment early uh, and it pays off over time. Yeah. 
yeah, and 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 it, it also helps us standardize things across across the environment. And you know, um, I mean, uh, we couldn't imagine building 4D clusters um, uh, with different set of uh, different set of eyes and hands, and and um, every cluster would look a uh, little bit different in, in that scenario. But when when automation comes into play, you know, uh, you know, everything is going to look exactly the same the way you want it to be. Yeah, even just the little things like naming standards can make a huge difference in trying to find something when you've got tons of data centers and tons of resource pools uh, on premise. And just trying to find like troubleshoot and bug, if everything's named consistently the same way, it just makes it much, much easier to operate troubleshoot. So uh, just one one thing that uh, Matt, you had mentioned uh, the like the weekly meetings, just in terms of how you're kind of I guess running the engagement with El Toro. So you, t- you mentioned these weekly meetings where sort of things come off of that backlog and then and new things come on, um, which sounds a lot like you know iteration planning meetings. And this is not a, a consulting engagement where things were all defined up front as like okay, here's a statement of work and this is what's going to happen in the next six months. It's like you know every week what's going to get done actually changes a little bit, and that that also ties then. Um, to me, to at least the way I heard it, to what you were saying, Ryan, in terms of every new thing that shows up, like the scope keeps changing and growing, but every new thing that shows up, we make sure to automate it the first time. Um, and I just, I mean, if, am I thinking about that right in terms of part of the way that you're working with El Toros is with things like weekly iteration meetings where you know what, we thought we needed that and we actually decided we don't need that. This other thing is more important and that's what we're going to build. And by the way, we're going to build it automated the first time. Definitely, definitely. We, um, it was a definitely a living, breathing document, almost like a real loose sprint type meeting. It's like, okay, what did we get done this these two weeks? Um, yeah, we're done with that. And oh, by the way, um, we, you know, PKS 1.3 came out and uh we haven't really built something around an upgrade or um, let's make sure we have this down. So that comes on the list and uh, we just all kind of check our things and Ryan gives us a, yep, that looks good. Or, Hey, let's do this or that. Um, It was a very uh, fluent engagement with him. It wasn't like you said, uh, we're going to do these 10 things and it's going to cost this much and it's got to be done in six months. Um, It was, it was quite flexible, which was awesome. It's, it's something that we really needed. So, yeah, I can, I mean, just, you know, that obviously uh, aligns really closely with the the pivotal way of working on building software, right? So not necessarily setting up kind of a hard, uh, you know, waterfall style statement of work or something, but um, having a, a, a general kind of guiding light, right? Um, North star, if you will, but then having that fluidity, that agility, if you, if you will, if you must. So it sounds like that would be kind of a, a secret success that could be passed on to others in terms of how they think of working with consultants, um, whether it's Alturos or someone else is kind of looking for the ability to engage in that iterative way uh, because it aligns to the iterative journey that you've been on with uh, PKS platform automation um, and has allowed you to kind of map to what those internal customers, your developers really need and build out a platform that, that meets those needs. And, and so, and not to put too fine a point on it, but it would be great, I think, if we could reiterate the value that 
platform automation delivers to your customers, i.e. the developers. Um, you know, you talked about, obviously, there's some security benefits, um, but I think, you know, what about things like, you know, getting new capabilities, new features and PCF out to them quickly? I mean, if you could, if you had to, you know, tick off the top two or three benefits to developers for really automating platform operation, what would they be? I, I, I think for, for one big thing is uh, it, it makes us very um, uh, efficient when when a developer or a team comes and says, uh, you know, we have a new product coming out, a new phone's coming out, a new model. Uh, we're going to need, you know, three clusters and we need them tomorrow. Um, that, that's something that's actually realistic and we could spin up and deliver to them um, with, with, with our solid configuration proven and um, with their namespaces and give them give them the keys and say go ahead and go and and to uh, to add to the uh, uh, to that at the pks layer we almost did like almost almost nine upgrades coming from 1.1.5 to 1.3.5 now and we have used platform automation and that and those upgrades include new features that we would need in in uh, pks style and that eventually their customer would uh, need it or those features uh, would help us out in in uh, some Kubernetes cluster configuration. So I um, uh, can't imagine doing those upgrades manually from 1.1.5 to 1.3.5 that we are currently right now on on uh, on almost uh, uh, 24 uh, PKS foundations. Right, and and ultimately, again, I'm a, I'm a very concrete person. So let's let's take that one step further. Benefits for the developers. So how does that benefit um, T-Mobile's actual customers who are, you know, uh, have phone plans and, you know, how does, how does this all translate to, to value for them and the business? Well, well, for one instance, I'd say about a month and a half ago, two months ago, a CVE came out that was, that was quite important that could expose a lot of data and customer data for that matter on uh, some of our sensitive environments. And we were able to upgrade, uh, all of our environments very quick and, uh, without much interruption to anyone, and that CVE was behind us, where in the old days we would have had thousands of boxes to patch, would have had to put a group together to make sure everything was done and all of that. Uh, this was literally running five to six pipelines and we were done. So right. that's one that's nice thing. When, when, when a security bulletin comes out or something needs to be patched immediately, um, this allows us to do that quite well. Yeah, that, that's a great example. Obviously, security is you know top of mind for a lot of people, a lot of consumers, uh, and so this you're able to keep them safer more quickly, uh, and that's that's obviously valuable to the customer, and that's hopefully going to you know that, that provides a some somewhat of a differentiation for T-Mobile uh, to to you know retain customers and win new customers. So uh, that that's a great example. Fantastic, and I think we should also link in the show notes here um, your colleagues uh, James and Brendan presented at KubeCon maybe six months ago on, you know, another sort of dimension to the journey towards building the, the on-premise Kubernetes platform. Um, and they touch on kind of another, not so much on the platform automation side, but on some other dimensions to that. So I, I think that would be a, a good compliment for folks to check out. Um, but that was six months ago. So I know there's been probably some updates and changes and it does sound like the platform automation story has come a long way. Uh, so that is very cool to hear. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, as we wrap up, I mean, what's what's next on your agenda uh, in terms of you know maybe next six months to a year? What's what do you hope to accomplish? Let's say we we have you back on the show uh, this time next year. What what do you think we'll be talking about? 
more 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 and more automation minimum uh, minimum ma- manual work uh, for us for us for our customers and making sure uh, uh, making sure we are uh, we are up to date and um, on our on our customer providing all the features uh, in an automated fashion uh, that would be uh, our goal and uh, that's our um, company goal as well uh, making sure uh, we are 99% automated across the board on on BKS DK land. Yeah, it will be much larger. Will be definitely much larger. There'll be uh, there's more more infrastructure coming in, more foundations being built, more clusters being built, more containers, everything. And uh, just just to add to that as well, um, we've been working on a PKS reporter tool um, that runs and collects information from all of the different uh, PKS foundations all the different uh, Kubernetes clusters that are running there, the different plans, the different sizes, what kind of workloads are on it. Uh, and from that reporter, we're trying to output that data in a meaningful way and generate uh, an automatic architecture diagram, which basically gives us uh, a high-level overview of uh, all of our environments, what versions they're at, what kind of state they're in, um, similar to monitoring, but more of an architecture diagram. Um, we've been working with uh, Fabric.js to kind of draw that out, um, patch together from some JSON, uh, and then we can export that as a PNG image or uh, send it to, as a report to stakeholders and uh, basically share it out to developers to kind of show, hey, we're at the latest and greatest features. Um, you've got all the benefits of Kubernetes with your scalability, and uh, you're, you, you can basically run anything um, on, on these clusters because they're underutilized and so on and so forth. So that, 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 that's something that's in the works at the moment, uh, and hopefully it'll be of uh, benefit once it's complete. That sounds cool. Can I, can I sneak in maybe one more question, which is all this automation that you've built around Kubernetes, you're building around PKS. You're not building around open source Kubernetes. Um, why? What's the difference that, from your perspective, why is it, why have you chosen to do this around PKS and not just open source Kubernetes. I, I, I think that um, going with PKS allows us to um, have you pivotal do all the research when new things are coming out. Right, you have a whole team that um, is building your 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 technology. As new technology comes out, um, you're able to soak that in, and maybe a month or two down the line, once pivotal gets their PKS package with the new. Kubernetes versions out and the new new bells and whistles um, is delivered to us rather than have us have a whole team that is dedicated to research and development or research and you know of all the new things that are coming out with Kubernetes we kind of put that on you and then it's delivered to us and and also give us gives gives us flexibility to focus more on automation and and our customer internal customers definitely. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You know, you want to be, if you have a team of doing R and D instead of having them do the same R and D that is probably happening in other places, have them focus on what, what matters at T-Mobile. Okay. Yeah, and, and our, 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 uh, our MTS, uh, MTS guy, James Webb and, and, um, um, our principal on the team, Joe CRC, uh, these guys work really closely with Pivotal to bring in new features. And uh, we have a, um, Tuesday call every day, every week with Pivotal to kind of go over what we need and uh, what are features coming in in new versions. So uh, that's kind of nice. 
And I think as well is that Kubernetes is a very complex system. Like it's rapidly uh, being developed. Like there's new features every other day and there's like a massive community behind it uh, putting new features in. And we really need somebody to check those features are production ready. Um, I believe, and maybe you can edit this out or whatever, but T-Mobile um, tried to do open source Kubernetes before um, and it was just too much to manage. It's too complex. And that, that's why at Altorus we recommend PKS is because uh, managed Kubernetes is, is much easier to run, especially when you don't have a full team of hundreds of engineers to kind of actively develop and work on it and troubleshoot it. Um, it's just too complicated. Um, so for, for enterprises that are not purely technology-focused um, and want to stay on the cutting-edge technology, uh, a managed Kubernetes solution is always the best approach, in my opinion. Okay, thank you. Well said. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It, it was really great to hear about um, you know the, the, the journey that T-Mobile has been on around building out the platform auto- automation for the, the PKS environment um, and how, how far along you guys have come in a relatively short amount of time with really building out a very developer-centric platform uh, at T-Mobile. So congratulations. Can't wait to hear more. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.